You know, our, our goal, our, our desire, I guess, our passion, what we're wanting to do, we're, we're, wanting, to, uh, we're wanting to allow God the liberty to change us anywhere he wants, you know, to, to just, to, just to work in our lives. I, I don't know uh, what you see, you know, what the picture is that pops up in your life when you think about God or church or, uh, or even yourself. You know, th- the thing is, is that if you ever see something wrong, you end up thinking about that thing wrong. You end up, if you're thinking wrong, you're going to live wrong. I said, if you're thinking wrong, you're going to live wrong. You, you'll end up at the wrong place. And, 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 and we have to be careful because we have a tendency to hyper-focus on the negative stuff. We look at the stuff we don't like, uh, things that are happening that we don't enjoy, uh, and, and, and we miss the bigger picture. And sometimes we miss out on, uh, on the great things of life because we focus on the stupid little things that don't really make a difference. Amen? And, uh, uh, you know... It, what, 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 comes in, what comes into your mind, you know, when, when you think about God or when you think about church? A lot of people, you know, they see stained glass windows and long robes and there's people that talk real slow. <laughs> God. You know. I grew up in church. I, I started traveling full time when I was seven years old. And my dad was an evangelist and we had tents and we did tent meetings. And, and, and if we couldn't get a city to set up in, we'd set up in a truck stop because my dad had to thank for truckers. And he's going to win every trucker to Jesus. And, and I mean, he, and he went at it. And he was, he was for real. But the, the deal is, is that growing up in church, man, I tell you, there's nothing weirder than a bunch of church people. I figured I wouldn't get a great big amen, but I'm telling you the truth. You know, you, you, you know, church people have a tendency to just get stinking weird. And, uh, you know, and the more spiritual they think they are, the weirder they get. And, I, and it took me a long time to figure out that that was not God's intention. Was, you know, God, God's not trying to figure out some way to, to screw with your life to make you as funky as he can for his own personal enjoyment. He's trying to he's trying to give you strength. He's trying to give you peace. He's trying to teach you how to overcome regardless of any situation. You know, what he wants to do is empower you so that you live a life that demonstrates Satan's defeat every day. Right. So you get out of bed and the mandate for your life is go humiliate hell. You know, uh, when we get in those moments where it's our opportunity to really demonstrate the enemy's defeat, that's when we have a tendency to hyper. Well, I don't like what's going on. Well, duh, this is your opportunity to demonstrate Satan's defeat. Right. It's not it's not a picnic. It's a battlefield. You get to go out and do some warfare, but you're not fighting for a victory. You're fighting from a victory. Right. And it's the victory that we have because of Jesus. He gave us life. He died for us. Right. Really, the Easter message is so simple. You know, Jesus died so we won't get fried. OK, now we can just pray and go home. We got it. But the deal is, is that we have to embrace this life that Jesus came to connect us to. John 10, 10 says the thief cometh not but for to kill, steal and destroy. But I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance, life to the top till it's overflowing. It's a crazy good life that God has for you. I'm telling you, God's got a plan for your life. Ephesians, uh, I think it's. Uh, I was in Ephesians 5.20, I think. But it, it says that, that God has prearranged, the Amplified Version says that God has prearranged, made ready in advance a good life for you to live. God, God's made a great life. Uh, but a lot of us, in, in, our, in our thinking, we think about life wrong. We think, we, you know, if we described a good life, you know, a good life, well, let's see, you know, the guys that I know, they describe a good life. A, a guy has a good life if he's got a bike. 
Harley. If he's if he's if he's got a Honda, he's got to have a sale. But if he's got a Harley, he, you know he, that's he's stepped into the good. If he's got a bike, a boat, and a babe, right? He's got a good life, and and. and it's all about what we can get, what we can accumulate, what, you know, what we can achieve. But really, the life that Jesus came to demonstrate, it wasn't, wasn't against bikes or boats or babes. It, 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 but it was a life, not of what it could get, but what it could give. And I mean, think about it. Jesus gave it all. He was all in. Come on, he didn't hold nothing back. How many glad he didn't go halfway? He, he's like half in. He's going to go halfway up Calvary. You know, and, and get some footage on the front end and then lie about the end. You know, and I think we try to do that sometimes. We're kind of half-hearted believers. We're, we're, we're going we're gonna to give God our life, sort of. And God wants us to embrace a different kind of life, a life that's bigger than that. We've got more life than death, more joy than sorrow, more peace than chaos, more hope than despair, more provision than lack, more health than sickness. It's not the absence of death. It's just more life than death. And really the end, if you think about it, you, you know, the, at the end of the story for Jesus was really a showdown between life and death. And, and Jesus kind of let death just, okay, go for it. Just, you know, just do your thing, you know, and, and get it on. And when death had wore itself out, Life stood back up again. And it was a demonstration. This is the life I want to connect you to. I want to, I want to connect you to a life that, that just doesn't know defeat. That just can't be held down. That just can't be erased by a problem. But at the end of the problem, I'm telling you that if you hang with God, that at, at the end, your final outcome is going to be better than your current condition. And he's always taken us to something that's better. To something that's bigger. Something, something that's stronger. But we... We kind of cave in in the middle sometimes. We kind of give up and quit. And, and, and we act like God's forsaken us because we don't like the way it's going. Just keep going. Just keep going. I don't know if you've noticed this yet or not. But the death rate is at 100%. You know, someday. Uh, you know, when Shelby and I, when we started in, uh, in ministry, we started uh, we, about 30 years ago in youth ministry. And I got to speak at a lot of, of uh, high school graduations. And uh, back in the day, they had tons of baccalaureate services, too. And I, I'd get invitations to go speak at these things. I always said the same stuff. I had the same opening line every, every time. And, and I'd step out there and I'd, and, I, and I'd turn the podium to face the graduates, you know, turn my back to the crowd. And I'd face the graduates. And I'd, and I'd start with this statement. Someday. You're all going to die. So fun to say that to a group of graduates, you know, and watch their face. Oh, crap. You know, and, and so, someday you're all going to die. And when you do, you know what they're going to do? They're going to take your body out, throw it in a hole in the ground, put dirt in your face and go back to the church and eat potato salad. Because that's what we do. It's not it's not the day you were born or the day that you died that's going to really matter. But it's going to be what you did with that chunk of time in between those two days. And the reality is, is that the life that God's given you, he expects you to do something with it. And, 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 you know, my job, I think is twofold as a pastor is to kind of position you for victory. I want everybody I ever meet to walk in insane victory, but it's also to prepare you for eternity. Because guys, you know, this, this short little time that we're here on this earth, this is awesome. We get a, we, we, we get to have a great life, but I'm telling you that it ain't going to end here. It's just getting started. And the eternal life that Jesus came to connect you to, it don't start when you're dead. 
It starts when you're born again. But at the end of this phase, every single one of us are going to stand before God. Now, I don't care whether you believe it or not. Someday you're going to be standing in front of God and all of a sudden you're going to be a believer. And he's going to basically give you a test. And at the end of your life, you're going to take a test. And really, it's quite simple. It's a two-question test. Today, I want to share that two-question test with you. And not only tell you the questions, I want to give you the answers. Because I'm pretty sure without the answers, you'd fail the test. So, I want to give you the answers. How many of you guys have kids? How many of you guys have kids that drive? (laughs) How many of you wish you didn't have kids? You know, it's just dangerous, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, we had we had three boys, and, and our house is all you know, it's all boy, all man, all you know. And but I, I can remember how frustrated they get because they, you know, a couple of them I won't name them by name, <laughs> but uh, a couple of them really struggled when it come time to take that test. Not the driving part; they could drive because they had been out driving when they weren't supposed to. They'd learned how to drive. But, uh, but that, that, that written test, you know, that computer test, they really, you know, a couple of them really struggled with that. I mean, and you'd think they'd get good at it. They took up so many times. And uh, uh, I, I remember one, one time going into, you know, and, and for him to take the test. And, and Shelby and, and one of the boys got out of the car and they went in to take the test. I parked the car. And I think actually before I even got in there, I, I might have made it into the restroom. But when I came out, everybody's gone already and they're, not in, they're out in the car. I'm like, well, <laughs> here we go again. And I got in the car, and, 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 he, and he looked at me, and he said, I hate that stupid test. In a way, my mind works. I'm thinking, I don't think I'd tell everybody I flunked the stupid test. I mean, you know, if you're not going to pass, make it the genius test, okay? Because we get that, but uh, I can't pass the stupid test. And he just went on and on and on. I can't, you know, the stupid test, that stupid test, that stupid test. And finally said, if you'd read that stupid book. You could pass that stupid test. You know, it's not that hard. Just, just read the stupid book. Pass the stupid test. And uh, I started a long time ago getting into the Bible, which in my opinion, I'm just going to be transparent. For a long time, it was that stupid book. You know, we called it stupid because we didn't want to have to deal with it. But the reality is, is that, you know, there was some stuff in, in, the, in that book that I needed in my life. And, and in Deuteronomy thirty nineteen, he even said, I set in front of you life and death, blessings and cursings, life and death. And God even, God's given us multiple choices, but he gave the answer. It's like, I'm setting in front of you life and death. Choose life. Because he's pretty certain that without assistance, we're going to make the wrong stupid choice. So I want to give you... The answers to the test. Okay? We're all going to stand before God. Look at somebody and tell them, you're going to stand before God. On that day, he's going to ask some questions. And he's going to ask you, number one, what would you do with my Jesus? I think a lot of us are under the impression that, you know, if we answer the question, you know, and and we'd, we'd say stuff like, well, I went to a building that was dedicated to him. I sang songs that were written about him. I gave money in support of him. I even served under him. I talked about your son. I sang about your son. I thought about your son. I had a big book on the coffee table that was written about your son. Wrong answer. A lot of us are under the impression that it's the things we do that are going to determine where we're going to actually spend eternity. 
And if you read the book, you find out that that really has nothing to do with it. You know, uh, well, here, let's let's just take a look at it. Matthew seven. Jesus is talking. And he said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to make it into heaven. And that kind of sucked for me because that was my plan. I'll just call him Lord and I'll get into heaven. Because, you know, like I said, I grew up in church and and I did a lot of stuff around the church. Some of it was even good. I tried hard to be involved in as much as I could. And but the, the reality is, is that I didn't like church. I didn't like church people. I didn't like anything about it. But at a very early age, see, my, my dad and my brother, I had a brother who was nine years older than I am, and they were going to do some stuff together, so they started taking guitar lessons, and they went off to guitar. I wanted to go, and they, they wouldn't let me, but to, to appease me, they had me to take a guitar and a record player, and my folks had a big walk-in closet, and they sent me into the closet, and a few years later, they came back from taking lessons. I came out of the closet. Which sounds weird, doesn't it? Okay, but I came out of the closet. They couldn't play. I could. They quit. I continued. I knew at a very early age that that was just a God thing. Because, you know, when I say I play guitar, I could play Chad Atkins stuff when I was seven. And, you know, people say, how do you do that? I have no idea. Will you teach me? Sure, do this. You know, you got it? Let's go. And and, uh, uh, at a very early age... I decide, I'd, made, I'd made a decision. I'll, I'll only play for God. Only play for God. As I grew up, when I, when I became a teenager, there all kinds of offers to go other places, play with other people, do other things. And I didn't do it. And you want to know why? Because I thought that was, gonna get, that, that was my response to God, and that will get me into heaven. I could live any way I want, think anything I want, say anything I want, do anything I want. Why? Well, because I'm using this gift for God. I've had great opportunities Great opportunities. But I'm not pursuing those because this is for God. And then I read that stupid book. And I found out why I kept flunking the stupid test. Hello? I'm telling you, I was empty. I was broken. I was bitter. You spend a lot of time around funky people and your life gets funky. And church is pretty funky. Come on, get real. I know we're at church. We can admit it. It's not like people in here don't know it already. If you're not, if you're not careful, all of a sudden, you're trying to do stuff to earn something. But according to the Bible, he said, you know what? Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, they're not all getting in. But the, only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day... Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? In your name, didn't we drive out demons? And in your name, didn't we perform miracles? And I think it's crazy. He didn't say, many are going to say we went to church and and we gave money and and we even learned how to ush. He went right to the spiritual big things. You know, man, uh, we, we prophesied. We were casting out devils. We were performing miracles. And basically he's telling them, if you think that doing stuff is going to get you into heaven, you got it wrong. He said, I will tell them plainly, look at verse 23, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. See, a lot of times, we're under the impression the bad stuff we've done is keeping us out. But if that don't work, then the enemy will try to get you to think that the good stuff you're doing is going to get you in. They're both a lie. 
It's not what you do or don't do or haven't done or have done. It's who you know. Jesus, if we, if we only have one message here at the garden, it's this. That Jesus did not come to restore a religion. He came to restore a relationship. And Jesus just wants a relationship with you. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, it don't make any difference what you do. You can serve on the dream team in 17 capacities. But you still, he's still going to look at you and say, man, this sucks because I don't know you. He just wants a relationship with you. And it really ought to liberate you because I think there's people in the room that you think that your lifestyle and all of that stuff separated you from God. Uh, can I just tell you something? Doing stuff for God is awesome. But that's not the key. You've got to have a relationship with Jesus. When I have the realization that, man, you know what I need? I just need to know him. And I just started pressing in and trying to build a relationship with God. I was, I, I was uh, you know, at a point in my life where it was time to, to make some lifelong decisions. And I decided, you know what, I, I'm going to go back in the bedroom. not going to get in the closet, but I'm going to go back in the bedroom. And, and I'm, I'm just going to spend time trying to build. I, wasn't, I never tried to build a ministry. I just wanted to build a relationship. And the more I worked on the relationship, the more God opened doors. To, and, and life started becoming fulfilling for me. And all of a sudden, you know, things were really happening in my life, but they're all coming and flowing out of that relationship. And I just kind of got hooked on Jesus. And I mean, he just started changing everything, the way I thought, the way I felt, the way I made my choices. And, and all of a sudden, I'd, I'd get into the Word of God, and it started making sense to me. You know, I'd spent my entire life trying to do all the right stuff. I've been baptized, like, a bunch of times. I've had a lot of communion. I've done all kinds of church services. And I've even tried to listen politely during church. But I still didn't know him. But once I got to know him, every, all of that stuff changed. And all of a sudden... The more I knew him, the more I wanted to know him. He wants to know you. You need a relationship with God today. And can I tell you about this two-question test? If you don't get the first question right, you ain't even got to worry about the second question. What would you do with my Jesus? The right answer is, I knew him. I loved him. He knew me. That's the right answer. And really, you know, the Bible's full of stuff. It's very, very clear. It talks about, uh, you know, coming between uh, or before the great white throne of God and that uh, there's going to be books that are going to be open and your name's either going to be in it, which will be great, or it's not, which is not going to be great. And, and, and the first question that God's going to ask you is all about relationship. And the second question, the second question that you're going to get asked is, is it's also a judgment question. And it's actually, a, 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 you know, it's a judgment of works, but it's not to get you into heaven. But it's, it's like there's there's a reward uh, program that God's got set up. If you read the Bible and, 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 and it's a works judgment, it's not determining heaven or hell, but it's it's not about eternal existence, but it's about rewards. Look at this. Second Corinthians five. Chapter 10, we must all appear and be revealed as we are before the judgment seat of Christ. This isn't the great white throne. This is the judgment seat of Christ. And it says we're all going to show up there, too, so that each one 
may receive his pay according to what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. They're going to consider his motives and his purpose and what he's achieved and been busy with and given himself and his attention to accomplishing. We're all going to stand and give uh, account to God for what he's given to us and what we did with it. You, you know, think about it. It's kind of like it's kind of like kind of like the Olympic ceremonies when they're giving out the you know the gold and the silver and the medal, and there's not going to be uh, sadness attached to it. And nobody's going to be booing you, and there's not going to be mourning. And, and and you know, it's heaven. There's not going to be insurance. There's not going to be taxes. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. The hot light at Krispy Kreme's always on. It's going to be awesome. Look at Romans 14, Romans 14, verse 10. Why do you criticize and pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you look down upon an, uh, or despise your brother? For we all are going to stand before the judgment seat of God. It's written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue will confess. But verse 12 says, so each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Matthew 16, 27, the son of man is coming uh, and with uh, in his father's glory and with his angels, and he will reward each person according to what they have done. Remember, this isn't about getting into heaven. This is something totally different. Jesus is excited about rewarding his people. Revelations 22, 12, behold, I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. So here's the second question. The first question is, what do you do with Jesus? And the second question is, what do you do with the life I gave you? See, again, life's not about trying to accumulate stuff. But it's about how much you're willing to release. What can you give to make a difference in the life of somebody else? You know, guys, we got to get this. And, you know, maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're at church every single week. You got to get this. Maybe you've never been a part of it, but you're kind of tire kicking today. You got to get this. One, you need a relationship with God in order to have a great eternity. Okay, and it's not about what you do or how you do it, but it's it's just about having a relationship with Jesus. But two, that God gave us life. He gave us uh, strengths and gifts and talents. And Jeremiah 1, 5 says that before I formed you, I knew you. I sanctified you and I ordained you. Before I formed you, I knew you. It's like God had a dream about the future and he saw where you would fit. And he started forming you and shaping you so that when you got here, you'd be a perfect fit. He made you different from anybody else and he's ordained you or empowered you to fulfill his dream. God's got this great plan for your life and he's giving you this life and he's going to ask you, what did you do with that life I gave you? How'd you use what I put in your hand? And you might be thinking, well, my life is nothing but tragedy and trial and turmoil and pain. You, I don't care where you're at, what you're going through, no matter what you've got, it can be leveraged for the benefit of somebody else. If you look at it right, if you look at it wrong, you're going to live it wrong. But if you look at it right, well, I'm going through a hard time. Well, isn't it cool that the Bible says that those when going through the valley of weeping, dig a well, that those are the blessed of the Lord. Well, why when you're going through the valley of weeping, would you dig a well so that the guy coming behind you won't have it as hard as you did? There's a different mindset, a different lifestyle that God wants his people to have. And that we would use everything within our power to be a benefit to somebody else. 
You know, we started the service off with the video, you know, talking about the church I see. You know, I really do see a church that's so attractive. It's going to be hard to find buildings large enough to contain the people. I think when we break out and get the religious stuff off of us and we just start enjoying doing life together and seeing lives change, when we get it, when we, when we get this, I'm telling you, I see a church that will be so on fire for God that it will be hard to keep people out. But the reality is, is if we don't get this, you know what? Uh, those girls that are in the sex trade in India that we're trying to help out there, we'll never be able to help them. If we don't get this, we won't see thousands upon thousands of souls saved with, unless we can get it and send teams who are willing to give their time, their money, and their resource to go to Thailand and go to Peru. If we don't get it, the garden's not going to have the impact in the tri-cities that it should. Why? Well, if we don't get it, we won't understand why I would ever go to two services, let alone one. Why I would stand outside on a windy day and, and help park cars. If we don't get it, we will never give of ourselves to serve one another so that we can reach the lost. But if we get it, all of a sudden, that's easy. And don't be thinking, by the way, don't be thinking, well, you know, when we move over to Okanagan, it's going to get easy there. Let me tell you a little something, something about the blessing of God. The blessing of God always comes with complications. Always. When God blesses your life, he complicates it at the same time. Think about it. Think about it. How, how, how many can remember back when you were single and, and you saw, you know, and, and you saw the opportunity to change that? And, you know, uh, uh, I finally, you know, Shelby, I, I finally caved in and, and let Shelby talk me into marrying her. I was talking to Glenn Stephan yesterday, and he said, yeah, Diane, she chased me and chased me and chased me and chased me. Then I finally caught her. And that's kind of the way it was here. But uh, when, 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 when Shelby and I got married, God blessed my life. How I many of you know my life suddenly got complicated? Serious. You know, when I was single, I did whatever I wanted. When we got married, we do whatever she wants. That's the way it works. Right. And we decided, OK, we're, let's build some relationship and get to know each other. We, we're, we had a plan when we got married. We're going to wait five weeks before we had kids. Five weeks, two weeks later, the first complication showed up. We named that one Evan. We had three complications. We named them Evan, Stephen and TJ. Children are a blessing of the Lord. But how do you know when you got kids, life gets complicated. You know, when the church was small and we were meeting in the basement of Dr. Chin's house, yeah, it was easy. When things start being growing and added to, all of a sudden complications come. When we get over there on Okanagan Street and we have 30,000 square feet and we got, uh, you know, hundreds of cars parking and 500 people in a service, it's going to be a lot more work. And if we don't get it, we're going to walk in there thinking we're on a vacation and we're going to cave in, give up and quit the first time complications arise. If you don't get this, that God wants you to use your life for the benefit of others. Well, that just sounds like, you know, here we are. God's just trying to take stuff from me all the time. Let's look at a story that Jesus, Jesus told a lot of stories that kind of promoted this mindset. But let's, let's look at one in Matthew 25. And Jesus talking, he said, it's going to be like a man going on a journey who calls his servants and entrusts his property to them. Man, this life that Jesus has given us, it's actually his, but he's entrusted it to us. 
And, and verse 15 says that uh, to one he gave five, uh, to another he gave two, to another he gave one. You know the story. Each according to his ability. Let me just say, share this with you. If you think God's given somebody else more than they deserve, and you, he hasn't given you enough, why hasn't God given me more? Why haven't you increased your abilities more? Well, that doesn't sound fair. It isn't. It's real. That if God blessed you above your ability, then the blessing would kill you. Matter of fact, the enemy, if, he, if the enemy can't prevent you, he will promote you. If he can't get you to live in poverty, then he'll give you so much prosperity that you don't have the character to handle it. God pours into our life according to our ability. If you want more, increase your ability. And then... On with the story. Then, then he went on his journey. Drop down to verse 19. After a long time, like at the end of life, the master comes back and says, it's time to settle the accounts. Look what happens. Uh, the man who had received five brought it back and he said, hey, you gave me five, but I've got five more. Verse 21 says that his master looks at him and says, well done, good, faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of a lot. I love this line. Come share your master's happiness. How many of you know that God's, God's not trying to make your life miserable. He's trying to make your life awesome. Look, look at the next verse. In verse 22, the guy who had two, he came back. He said, you gave me two. I doubled it. I got two more. And again, in verse 23, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You're going to increase. Come share your master's happiness. Then in verse 24, here comes the slug, and he's got one. You gave me one. But look what he said. I knew that you're a hard man. And I think right about there, the master probably said, you knew what? What do you mean I'm a hard man? I gave you my riches. I gave you life. God's been hard on me. You live in the blessed country, the most blessed country on the face of the planet. You got air conditioned rooms. You got, you know, a car with auto start. You know, you, hello, somebody. You're blessed. We have your plicity. Frozen yogurt. And here comes this guy. And he said, I knew you were hard. And you harvest where you haven't sown. You gather where you haven't scattered seed. Verse 25 said, I was afraid. I was afraid that if I did what you wanted, I'd lose out. No, when you do what he wants, he increases what you had. But he said, I was afraid and I hid mine in the ground. So here, take back what belongs to you. You gave me a life and at the end of life, I'm just going to give you back that life. And he says, you know, in this parable, he says, you know, guys, that's not going to work out well for you. That's not going to work out well. Look at the next verse. You wicked, lazy servant. You're still a servant. We're not talking heaven and hell. We're just talking the fact, wicked. You only thought about yourself. Lazy. Guys, we're celebrating on this Easter weekend the life that we have because he was so good to us. I mean, talk about the church we see. Think about the church he saw. That he'd be willing to go through all that he went through just so that we could have life. I don't think that we should allow ourselves to see this thing wrong. The life that Jesus came to give you wasn't just one that you would contain. But it's one that you'd live and you'd live it out loud. 
and, and you, you would just live to give, live to bless, live to help. That you understand how frustrating it would be to hell if all of a sudden your mindset changed and instead of whining about everything, you started figuring out a way how to use it to demonstrate Satan's defeat. So that when, when, when you, you know, some of you guys have been through some hellacious stuff and you, you would be able to say, hey, I know you're going through something. I've been there before and I can show you how to walk yourself through here and you're going to make it. Why? Because God's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to help you. God's not trying to put you down. He's trying to lift you up. He's trying to bless your life. He's trying to increase your life. If we used everything and leveraged everything we had to better somebody else's life, that would be the good life that God's made ready, prearranged for us to live. We've got to get this thing right. Number one, you need a relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't need to try to do a bunch of junk to earn something from God. It's that it's never going to work. You just need to say, you know what? I've tried to live my life without God. I'm going to let God in my life. I'm going to build a relationship with him. And after you've come to know Jesus, then we just want to learn to live our lives in a way that we don't just live it to live it. We live it to give it. So that no matter where we are, we can touch somebody else. No matter what we're doing or what we're going through, we can figure out how to use that for the benefit of others. And at the end of the day, I promise you, to him who has shall more be given. That's what the Bible says. And it's all through that book. You know what? It's not really about church attendance. Heaven and hell has nothing to do with church attendance. It's about a heart that's been changed by the power of the love of God. Today, what I want you to do, I want everybody in this room, grab your worship guide and pull that out. So you got it when you came in. We're going to do things a little bit different this Easter weekend. I want every person in the room to get one of these connection cards. Matter of fact, the ushers are going to be right here handy. And if, uh, if you don't have one of these, just hold your hand up real quick. Because I want every person in the room to grab one of these. I want us all to have our own individual connection card. And on this card, what, what I'm going to ask you to do today is I'm, I'm going to ask you, everybody to fill it out. If you need a pen, they've even got some pens. And, uh, uh, you, you know, and just fill it out and share it with us your name and, and, and the date. and, and uh, I'll, I'll Just fill out the information. But when it gets down to my decision today, you'll see an A, B, C, and a D. A, I'm already a believer. Just mark that. Just share that with us today. I'm already a believer. B is I'm, I'm becoming a believer today. I, I, I'm, I, I'm becoming a believer right now. I'm going to let God in my life. C, I'm considering becoming a believer. D, I don't ever intend to become a believer. Go ahead and tell us the truth. I'm never going to lie to you, so you can just tell me the truth. Have no intention of participating with God. Well, just mark that box. And in a few minutes, we're going to receive the tithe and offering. When those buckets come by, I just want you to drop those in the bucket. If you've got prayer requests or praise reports, you can fill it out. You say, you know what? I, I want to get more involved in the church. Turn the card over. There's different areas. Mark one. We'll get you information. But I want every person to share with us today A, B, C, or D. I'm already a believer or I'm ready to become a believer. I'm considering becoming a believer or I don't ever intend. I promise you this. We are not going to inundate you with phone calls and emails we are not going to sell your information. But those who are considering, we, we want to do anything we can to help you. 
Those who are becoming, I want you to understand something. That this is the first step of the trip. It's not the end of the journey. Okay, so we, we want to give you information to help you. You don't have to join the church. We hope you do. We hope you go on into eternity with us and locked shields and doing all kinds of awesome stuff together. But the reality is we just want to help people find a real relationship with God. Before we before we even do anything else, we're going to pray a prayer together. As a matter of fact, close your eyes and bow your heads for just a moment.